why others are being successful while you're playing mind games to showcase your dominance. You're listening to the very best podcast in the world on health, wealth, and happiness. Please remember to leave a review and share with all your friends and family. And here is your host, Lars Hilson. Morning, peeps. You thought I weren't coming, right? <laughs> uh, we're back um, with another episode. Uh, I took out of this ginormous stockpile of ideas that uh, have, meanwhile, accumulated. Um, and uh, honestly, it's very hard to pick interesting episodes to produce. Uh, if all of the topics are essentially interesting. So um, forgive me that uh, in some regards they may seem random uh, or the incoherent ramblings don't really uh, produce like a long-term um, coherent contextual format. Wow, totally complicated words. Um, yeah, this is about... Uh, betas trying to be alphas and being so occupied with that uh, that they actually lose sight of um, what's important in life. And I think, meanwhile, it should have kind of sunk in that uh, pretty much everything is more important than the perception of you. You know, it's like a result world, not a uh, uh, who-do-you-want-to-be world. Um, and I'm going to start out basically by a fascinating experience you might have also witnessed. So many, many moons ago and uh, a few lives ago, I was um, in vocational training, which is probably the same as a college degree. And um, as in, I did this in finance with a local German insurance company. Uh, they invested quite a lot of money in giving us all sorts of trainings, assisting us in, uh, you know, being at the end of the day, able to sell more insurance, uh, insurance products. And one of these trainings kind of stuck, um, particularly all of them were good. This one was fucking brilliant. Uh, they invited a guy, uh, who was, coach slash trainer slash I have a life improvement ranch in Canada in Canada and uh, train managers and, and that ordeal. Um, this was what the early 2000s it must have been. And the internet hadn't really developed that much that you know every uh, frustrated person could uh, kind of um, sell trainings to management. Uh, it's totally changed. Um, now you can spend all your wealth on improving yourself with every frustrated housewife that has had a change of heart and wants to become 
a trainer and influence people's lives and make them more successful, while in reality there are very few who actually make a difference. This person that I'm referencing uh, actually did. Um, in that, we were, as a group, uh, I think we were north of 100 trainees at that time, uh, all in a hotel um, that was owned by this insurance company and totally unprepared for what was to come. And the guy was introduced by one of our uh, supervisors, if you will. And he entered the room and boom, there was a presence that you felt. And this guy was totally fucking brilliant in telling stories and conveying what he was trying to tell you in a very picturesque way. And this dude wasn't anything special. You know, he was uh, maybe a meter and 80, uh, slightly overweight, but very slightly, uh, what I call the wealth gut, <laughs> you know, uh, eating too much good food. And um, frail hair, um, nothing out of the ordinary, but the presence he commended was just, uh, was just totally insane. And we sat down with him, uh, pretty much one of my colleagues and I, we were the loudest of the entire group and we're fascinated by this person. And looking back at it, I was like, why, why were you so fascinated by this person? And that's when I started, uh, my personal vendetta or journey into the human mind in that I uh, studied a lot of the available NLP material. Uh, again, this was, uh, you know, not the internet that it is today. Uh, so it was quite hard to get my hands on information and took hours of research and uh, cost quite a lot of money on, on books and additional material and so on and so forth. And uh, that's inevitably when you get into when you get into the human mind, not in that way, but <laughs> you start to study it. Uh, you know, things come along which just um, uh, really, really, really start to fascinate you, and how you can uh, actually change your persona convincingly to be someone that you are, but it's a talent that's kind of hidden inside of you due to socialization. Okay, I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. We'll get back to that later. Uh, but I have two very interesting uh, examples that I wanted to, to share with you. Uh, because more likely than not, you will have come across a person uh, that I would like to call uh, pseudo-dominant or, uh, you know, a, a as I said in the, in the uh, introduction, kind of like a, a beta that wants to be an alpha. And these people are just insanely ridiculous in trying to commend the authority and so on and so forth. And to give you a very picturesque example, uh, probably the more funny of the two was uh, when I worked uh, for a hotel group and... Um, all of a sudden we got a new chief executive and the first thing that he requested upon arrival was that everybody stood at the pier to 
welcome him with cheering and clapping and whatnot. And uh, before his arrival, and uh, after it was announced that he would be taking on the role of chief executive, uh, the stories started to circulate. You know, the hospitality business is uh, quite communicative and chatty. And uh, so all of these dark stories were coming up about uh, how he was uh, having the, uh, the place where uh, the massage therapists were, uh, were um, living. Uh, he had that guarded because that was his personal hen house, uh, as it was referred to as probably his personal whorehouse more than anything else. And this guy had issues, seriously. So he requested everybody stood there when he arrived. I had better things to do, which I think consisted of drinking tea. Uh, so I watched the entire uh, thing go down from a safe distance. You never know what happens. And I didn't check the guy out because all of the stories, all of the reputation that was kind of preceding him was making him a questionable character. Um, but nonetheless... Uh, benefit of a doubt, I said, okay, you know, I'm not going to do this welcoming thing. I'm just going to sit there and watch it from a distance. Long story short. So this, I don't know, a little French person gets off the boat when he arrives uh, at the resort that I was staying at as well. And he must have been in his early 50s at the time. And out steps after him, you know, being the gentleman he is, uh, his probably 25-year-old Indonesian wife, pregnant. And the gentleman that he is, he, you know, gets his welcome claps and chants and drums and whatnot. Uh, all that was missing essentially was the fireworks. And um, then he just walks off, leaves his wife standing there to carry the suitcases. Now, that tells you N nothing about his uh, authority, but what a jerk he is, you know, from a from a personality perspective, right? And the stories kind of went on, right? He was, um, there was one occasion where uh, we met for, um, for a board meeting and uh, uh, it, it, he was just trying to entertain all of the financiers that were there, uh, the bankers and whatnot, by uh, kind of cutting people down, and um, it, it was just it was just insanely ridiculous the way that he was kind of um, commanding respect, and he wasn't respected; he was feared, and there's a big difference, right? If you fear someone, it, it's it's not respect; it's something insanely perverted. And um, I didn't because I was kind of tired of the job um, because nothing, nothing progressed, nothing moved forward. And um, it was very difficult to kind of achieve the goals that, that you know, we had kind of determined. Um, and that was one of the reasons he came. Problem was he was an idiot. And uh, the whole project tanked uh, because of that, because he knew everything better and so on and so forth. Now, the pinnacle of his assholeness was um, when, I don't know, we were working together on and off for about three months because I was reporting directly to him. And uh, I asked him for information that I'd been running after for months. 
And uh, uh, he wrote me back an email, uh, or no, it was shortly before Christmas. Uh, and I said, look, you know, are you going to deliver the information before Christmas or because otherwise I would fly home to Europe to be with my family uh, over Christmas. And, it, you know, being the dick that he is, he writes back inshallah, uh, which, you know, for uh, all of you who don't speak uh, as much Arabic as I, that's probably my limit as well there. Um, if So so God wishes or wants or whatever. Um, I go online, book a ticket, fly home. Uh, to be with my family for Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, uh, my family and I were sitting uh, at the dinner table. Um, he writes me an email. And he was one of the few people that I had on uh, alert um, if they sent an email. So he deliberately waited till Christmas Eve uh, of that and, and, and waited until it was um, made sure it was dinner time in Europe. Uh, so it was way past his bedtime, at least. Uh, I don't know what he was doing with his girlfriend or wife, what it was perhaps uh, at that time. Uh, and sent me an email um, saying uh, termination of contract, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and that he wanted uh, my reports, which I couldn't complete because his information was missing. But he knew that because I had already sent him a preliminary draft. Now. What's wrong with these people? Uh, I don't know, but um, one thing is for certain. Uh, this guy didn't have anyone's respect, not even that of the uh, foreign staff that was working there from Southeast Asia. And these people are usually uh, very respectful towards Westerners. Uh, but this guy was so ridiculous, everybody was just in, in pure fear of um, getting sacked. Uh, by him because you know that just happened you wake up one morning uh he doesn't even have the decency to you know personally tell you uh, because he's too good for that supposedly uh and you would just get a text message saying you know you're fired pack your shit get out of here your visa for uh, your work visa has been canceled uh for today so you better get the fuck out of here um now as funny as as this is uh and i thought it to be funny because you know at the end of the day i wasn't reliant on the on on the project i wasn't reliant on the money um it wasn't well paid and so on and so forth uh, so for me it was uh, i i didn't fear him uh, i i just said i just didn't give a fuck uh his character traits were you know kind of amusing um his weakness uh was kind of the same and uh what pissed me off though was that he was using his well not authority well power or the the you know it, whatever it was at the end of the day i can't really find words for it um to uh, have these people live in fear um and therefore do his bidding which included his uh whorehouse uh, where everybody that didn't want to sleep with him uh, kind of had to fear uh, that they would be that they would be sacked um, the next day, and um, wow, you know, it was just amazing how uh, people misuse power. What you notice was this person wasn't really wasn't really dominant. It was a character flaw that he had more than anything else, um, and he was kind of uh, living off this power 
which I believe clearly shows if, you know, you've got a wife of, uh, you know, Southeast Asian descent, um, and you're pretty wealthy because you, uh, you scammed people out of, uh, out of a lot of money because you made them believe that you're good at what you do. Um, that kind of gives you a signal, right? And an indicator of what type of personality that is. And that was my, my immediate, uh, my immediate thought. Long story short, um, what can I say about this person? It was totally, totally fun. Um, kind of witnessing his behavior, uh, witnessing her behavior because she kind of caught on that he was whoring around and uh, made a big scene. And I think it even made the newspapers. Um, at least it made a bunch of Facebook groups uh, of the country that I was staying in. Um, and uh, yeah, it goes without saying that I think this person was kind of reading up on a lot of how am I dominant and how do I present my dominance and how do I make best use of it. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Second story, um, very similar kind of dude, uh, although it was only the character traits that were similar, much less than the personal surrounding. Uh, he was a serial entrepreneur, and we were together on a project, and um, this dude had nothing better to do than, uh, you know, fly in once a week, um, piss everybody off with... Uh, with his attitude and then fly out again and let the team and we were already on a tight schedule uh let the team fix it um, luckily enough we had a fucking brilliant uh, project manager there um who was there to do politics mainly um and to keep uh, the client off our back so that we could work in peace and uh, he did his job quite well including uh, kind of uh picking up the the foobar that uh, this dude left whenever he would he would come in now he was a project owner obviously um but nonetheless you know you don't come in torpedo a project if it's yours and then uh, piss off again but for him uh you could also see that he kind of read up on all of his um um you know how to improve your personality bullshit and he's probably attended uh two or three dozen uh personality development trainings with all of these, you know, pseudo uh, get rich quick kind of scenarios. And um, yeah, it was just another very interesting person to work with. And he was, I think, at the beginning of his 30s. Uh, I must have been in my mid 30s by then. Yet uh, still, uh, he tried to uh, ridicule um, everybody to make himself stand out positively. And, um, for me, again, it was, I, I couldn't care less because, uh, I was already, uh, for years at a stage where I was basically doing projects for fun rather than for money. And, uh, so I wasn't really afraid of him, but we did have people on the team that really relied on the project to succeed. And, uh, if you have somebody come in and, uh, you know, kicks over all the dominoes that you've been setting up for weeks uh it's it's very frustrating and gets you into a mindset which is uh anything but uh create um, room for creativity and productivity long story short how do you deal with uh such people um now again i was always in a very beneficial situation where i didn't really 
rely on being able or well cooperating with these kind of people. Uh, but um, I was always around people who were. So for me, it was important to kind of calm the storm that these people create, calm everybody down, and motivate them to think that there is a life after this job or this project, right? Um, and this was much easier with the second example I stated, uh, because in the first example, there were a lot of people, like I said, from uh, very poor countries who had landed this, uh, for them, very important job. And it, their families back home were relying on the income that these people were producing. So, um, you know, if that meant whoring themselves out or prostituting themselves at the end of the day, uh, it was just that, but they had no other possibility. And in that situation, I really felt powerless because um, I wasn't in a position to, uh, well, at the end of the day, I was in a position to get this this guy sacked from the first example um, through, uh, you know, it was kind of like a revenge play that I, that I made. Um, but at the end of the day, I couldn't help these, uh, these poor girls and uh, all the other staff. Uh, they had to submit to, to him because they had no other or little opportunities. So what I did was tell them to uh, kind of look around for other jobs that were on, on other resorts that were very close by uh, just to get out of his reach. And uh, that was very interesting. Some people took that advice and uh, actually landed jobs because um, they had very good references from uh, this employer um, where this guy was chief executive of uh, simply because he wasn't able to undermine or to uh, scare everyone into submission. There were some people like myself who weren't reliant on the job and they made sure um, that these people got good references and were then safely uh, brought over to their next employer. That being said, real people are secure and comfortable with their persona, with their personality, while only insecure people have to kind of present themselves in a light which uh, they just aren't really in. And normally you can smell these kind of people 10 miles against the most fearsome storm because they just carry this pungent stench of falseness and um, so on and so forth in front of them. Um, now again, you have to be very careful because reputations precede people a lot. And when all of these stories of the first example started surfacing, uh, I kind of took a step back and said, okay, look, we're going to, you know, just let's see how this person is in real life. Because especially if you are in environments where, um, you know, it's, it's very chatty and, and people have a lot of time to uh, discuss various 
insignificant topics with each other all day, uh, a lot of stories start to surface which are just untrue. And in this case, it uh, totally panned out. Uh, the reputation that was uh, that was drawn of this person was was absolutely accurate. Uh, in fact, it was even understated, as I found. And um, for the second example, it was you know very similar. Out of fun, we had a, a sociopath checklist um, in the team that we uh, kind of checked off whenever. Uh, this person flew in and, you know, we monitored certain personality traits and, and just, you know, kind of uh, tick the boxes whenever you would just fuck up again. Um, and he was actually very good. I think he scored a 96 out of 100 uh, in terms of this sociopathy checklist, uh, sociopath checklist. Um, anyhow, when I first met the person, both people actually, um, and this was free of any preceding reputation, I immediately knew that there was something wrong with them. So my gut is quite good at determining bullshitters like that. Uh, however, you know, the team in the second example was very interesting, so I decided to go for the project, and the project content was insanely interesting. Uh, in fact, it triggered me so bad that I... Uh, really was looking forward to doing the project. Um, and I kind of ignored away the fact that, that my gut was telling me that this guy's a bullshitter. And for the first um, for the first example, it was kind of like a similar situation. I just you know sat back, um, kicked back the lounge chair, uh, put on my seatbelts and and kind of watched what was gonna happen. Long story short, these people had one thing in common. Um, they didn't get shit done. In fact, I think in the second example, I already tried to um, give you a rough outline. Um, this guy landed the project against all odds because before us, uh, there were a lot of big consultancy firms there, and this guy was running, you know, like a like a shoe shack kind of setup. Um, and all of the big uh, consulting firms that were there had already done the work we had been doing, where we were to do again. Uh, but they had also, uh, they were also bidding for the same contract, and nonetheless, he was able to succeed, which makes it very difficult to comprehend how, on the other hand, you can then you know fly in once a week and and piss people off uh, once you've landed the contract. Don't know where that personality trait comes from. It was, by the way, on this uh, so uh, sociopath checklist. Now. What did they have in common? Sorry, I uh, got off track again. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. Both of them were so busy with uh, kind of modeling their uh, their dominance they had on other people and the situation and the control they presumably had on situations. Um, and they were so busy that, on the other hand, they fucked everything up much more than anybody would uh, that had a clear state of mind. And I think that's where I'm getting to. Uh, protecting yourself from these people is insanely difficult. Uh, what you can do is you can, you know, work yourself into a situation where you don't rely on these kind of people, um, so that you can, you know, like I did, kick the chair up and and you know, kind of fasten your seatbelts and watch themselves uh, destroy their work and themselves and their reputation at the end of the day. 
Uh, it's quite entertaining um, to do. So, uh, you know, something highly recommended. Uh, however, there is no real way uh, to protect yourself because uh, particularly with sociopaths, um, if you're, uh, you know, sane <laughs> in, a, in, in the furthest sense, you're going to lose against these people um, pretty much every day because you there's one big differentiator. You want to get shit done uh, and they're so busy uh, with themselves and um, kind of feeding their ego uh, that they destroy everything uh, with the left hand that they have assembled with the right. So uh, I think on the end note, um, I can only recommend uh, watching somebody go into self-destruction. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's totally fun um, and uh, totally entertaining. Uh, and yeah, hope this episode was entertaining uh, to a degree as well. Uh, I'm trying to be more coherent because I got initial feedback that said that, you know, my ramblings were kind of uh, out of line. Um, well, not out of line, but uh, too long and not coherent. <laughs> That's a new word I learned. Uh, so I'm uh, swearing improvement uh, in this and hope that you will tune in to the next episode. Until then, uh, have a good day, have a good night, have a good morning, uh, wherever the fuck you are. Uh, if you have feedback, <clears throat> like the other people did, sorry, uh, write an email to the very best podcast in the world at gmail.com. Uh, and I will try to answer all of your notes and do so quickly. Sometimes I don't, but I you know, swear that I will improve. Okay. Stay safe. See you soon.